0: This is the
1: In the Cove podcast. Welcome to the In the Cove podcast. My name's Rob Caldor.
0: And I'm Jackie Barker, founder of In the Cove.
1: Jackie, we're back after, uh, we did one, you know, a month or so ago, but the, the regular, semi regular podcast will keep happening, informing people of the area, what's going on. So, Jackie, what's going on?
0: Well, Rob, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a federal election. Um, have you noticed? Nothing really happening. No, Nothing...
1: No, no, not much going on at all. But, you know, these things go from a macro to a micro level. So how how is it affecting all of us in the cove?
0: Well, you can't walk through the plaza without being inundated with people wanting to talk to you. And that, you know, you either love it or you hate it. Um, some people hate it. Some people love it. But... More importantly, In the Cowboys has their finger on the pulse and we will be having on Monday, 9th of May at 7.30pm, a Meet the Candidates Forum on Zoom and we're doing it on Zoom because we found that it's much easier for parents to access and also you can also watch the recording afterwards. And so far we've got Kylie Tink, Trent Zimmerman, Catherine Renshaw, Victor Klein, if you want to be involved in that, we've got the link in the um, article below, or you can just go on to events at Humanitix and put in North Sydney Candidate Information Night.
1: If you were living under a rock and you hadn't seen anything about the election, North Sydney is quite an interesting seat because of the role of you know the teal independents, and you know it, it, it's a bit of a uh, microcosm to the whole country actually. So it will be interesting to see how the debate goes uh who's moderating
0: me i am i've moderated uh, the council one that went really well you know a lot of people think it's a two horse race it's, i think there's is a, there's actually three horse race the labor has got a very impressive candidate and i think they're all impressive i guess but uh, there's those three um you know they had a big debate on sky news and all three of them Scored some points, so it would be interesting to see. But it is—it's not a safe seat anymore. Which, by the way, North Sydney has been a Liberal seat, but we also had Ted Mack as a, an independent. So North Sydney has has a history of some independence.
1: People sometimes complain about their politicians, but this is your chance to interact, see what they really say, and you know, make your vote count. I think that's that, that's the key. Now, it's not about you know oh, I have to vote. It's actually make the most of it. It is a civic duty um it's uh especially when you see with what's going on around the world it's an actual amazing thing that we have democracy in this country there's no violence there's sausages and food involved on the day so uh come to the event on monday night have a look online you don't even have to get out of your bed to do it
0: no and speaking of sausages we love our democracy snag but we also like our democracy cupcake and um, in the Cove we'll be telling you close to the, to the event, of oh, the event, the 21st of May voting day, polling day, where you can grab your snag and also help out the local schools because it really is a great fundraiser for all the local schools. Now, just And also just to bear in mind that the Lane Cove Public School will not I repeat, not be a polling booth because they've lost their hall, and that's usually one of the biggest polling booths, but St Michael's will be one and also Mowbray is also a big one. In the Cove events. The Lang Cove Fun Run is back. After two years of cancellation, the Lang Cove Fun Run will be taking place on the 11th of September. It takes place around Longerville and there are two things you can get involved in you can do the two kilometre Longerville family dash or you can be if you're a serious runner you can do the 5k walk or run and it's a huge fundraiser not just for the Lancope Public School but 10% of all proceeds go to the Sydney Community Services which helps out our um, elderly disabled and also did so much during COVID with respect to helping people who couldn't access um, services. And what's even more exciting, and I know that you've just got a new puppy, is that your dog gets if can enrol and have its own bib.
1: Uh look, I will get young Ted uh, measured up for the bib. He's a good runner. I'm not so sure about myself, but I will. Uh, got a few months to uh, you know lose a few kilos and stretch those hamstrings to see if I can join. I can definitely walk it.
0: Oh yeah, and there's there's prizes for the best costume, and it's a real family day. In the cove has a tent there so that we can meet our readers, and we love it. But it's good because you know there's the the five k starts off first, and that's for the really serious runners. And there are some serious runners, and there's great kudos for coming in first. And then the two k is where all the fun happens. Um, people bring prams and dogs and you name it. It's it's a really great day.
1: All right, so. Every, everyone there's great walking tracks and running tracks around lane Cove, and i know that there are articles in the cove about that so make sure you uh, start training now you got a few months you got a few months to get ready
0: you can but you can also register now because there's a flush sale and you just go to Lang cove fun run there's a website called Lancove cove fun run so it's, it's actually exciting because events are starting to come back. We had Christine Arnoux in the canopy last week and they raised $3,000, which was donated to give it. Flood impacted New South Wales residents and the Land Cove Council put that on. And also I heard that the we were supposed to have an ice skating rink in the canopy, but COVID came and that got canned. But guess what? It's coming back this year. So some exciting things are happening. And then the second Sunday in October, put this one in your diary. The world-renowned, much-loved Lane Cove Rotary Fair is back. And again, In the Cove has a tent and we'd love to see you there. There's so much happening, Rob. And if people subscribe to our newsletter, which they can do on our website, they will get details of that in their inbox every Wednesday night.
1: So look, make sure you subscribe if you don't already. And there's the usual places, Facebook, Instagram, all the In The Cove, the multimedia empire, Jackie, that you've created. Jackie, we've got a guest today.
0: Yes, a very exciting guest, one that I've actually known for, for a long time and um, one of our first followers. We have Collier Miller who is a Lang Cove resident who's been involved in the Army Reserve for a long time and he went to Lismore to provide some assistance as part of the uh, Army's um, role there and it's really interesting listening to what he did and how he's been involved in the Reserve. In the Cove special guest.
2: G'day Collier. Hi Rob, good morning.
0: Hi Collier, how are you?
2: Good thanks, how are you?
0: Now, Colia has been a In The Cove follower since, I think, day one.
2: Pretty Um, sure. Yeah, that's right, Jackie.
0: Yeah, long time, long time. I don't even know. How did you find out about In The Cove?
2: You know, I think you and I bumped into each other on the street and uh, (laughs) you introduced it as the beginnings of some of your early days when you were uh, spruiking it physically to people uh, and then uh, went back, joined it on Facebook and have been an avid follower since, seen its growth and uh, been involved in different elements of it, I think, every now and again.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. And,
2: uh, yeah, it's great. I think micro reporting around the communities is critical. So it's it's really been a, a powerful element of of living here and making the community what it is today, I think.
0: Oh, no, thank you. OK, so, um, Collier, actually, how long have you lived in Lanko?
2: Uh, we have lived in Lane Cove since 2005 when we moved back from San Francisco. My wife and I lived overseas. Uh, prior to that, we were living in Surrey Hills. Uh, but Simone, my wife's uh, mother-in-law, was a Lane Cove local. And when we came back, we decided to uh, live here uh, a little bit more uh, closer to her. And uh, it, we loved the leafiness of it and the community feel uh, when it was 2005. Yeah.
0: Mm, and the rest is history.
2: And the rest is history. Everyone said, you're crazy. It's so remote. You know, all, <laughs> all of our friends who lived on the east, <laughs> who don't cross a bridge or a tunnel. <laughs>
0: Look what they're missing out mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm.
2: Now, Colia, how did you first
1: get involved in, in the Army Reserves and how long have you been involved with it for?
2: So early on uh, in my early 30s, I started getting involved in outdoor adventure sports. And I was doing uh, running and kayaking and mountain biking and adventure races. And at one point, while I was doing an adventure race, I thought this would be a really good activity, and it seems to, you know, correlate also with some of my community-mindedness and and spirit. So I was the president of the Cove PNC for a couple of years, Lancove Public School um, Parents and Citizens Committee, and I've always been interested in. You know contributing back to my community and I thought maybe I'll investigate joining the army uh, as a reservist and I did and uh, it was a really a culmination of a whole range of those activities community service giving back and some of my outdoor adventure activities uh, and I, uh, I went to what's called the you day y-o-u where they talk to you about what you can contribute and how you can grow and then I participated in some of the assessments, and and they said, yeah, come along. And uh, next thing I knew, six weeks in Kapuka, which is the uh, basic training for all of the reservists, go through a range of different programs. I I did officer, what's called a general service officer training, so it can take anywhere from say two to four or five years because it's part time. Uh, and then became a signals officer in the reserves, and that was I joined in two thousand and fifteen. Uh, and um have been uh, army reserve officer commissioned in 2020 and uh, and now continue to serve
0: how many hours a um a month would that take up
2: so it's interesting you know you see that ad it's uh one one day a week and uh, a weekend a month or something so it pretty much is Tuesday nights uh, I, par- I I do what's called parading which isn't actually walking up and down parading it's just attending a, an army base where we conduct our training and activities uh, so that's on Tuesday nights uh, and then about one weekend a month we go to our field exercises or our training exercises uh, in different locations, mostly Army bases around New South Wales. Uh, and then in between that activity, there's also ongoing career progression training and other courses that are uh, of relevance to the, the core that you are in. So if you're a signaler, there's different training to if you're an infantryman versus an engineer, we'll each have their own separate training pathway.
1: Just, just tell me, Collie, what does signaler mean? I mean, I know in your work life you're involved in sort of cybersecurity. Are they linked at all?
2: They are linked uh, somewhat. Signals Corps is effectively the group of uh, army individuals uh, that support and and provide communications capabilities to units out in the field. So uh, everyone doesn't just carry mobile phones uh, like in civilian life. Uh, you need to have approved, encrypted and uh, effective communications between the units outfield. And that involves radios, antennas, uh, particular encrypted devices, mechanisms for communicating long distances uh, with effective, you know, audio, audio, effective sound, basically, so that people can hear what's going on and, and understand what's being communicated. So a signals officer works with a range of uh, different signals capabilities to provide that to the unit. Oh,
0: that sounds interesting. It really is. And uh, you've been involved in a recent deployment to Lismore. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, so one of the things as a reservist that you can do is effectively volunteer for different deployment types, uh, one of which was uh, the recent Lismore support of the floods. It's defense assistance to community. Um, So it's a DAC activity. And basically what it means is we can put our hand up to attend and support different uh, emergency response activities like the op bushfires, op COVID, and this op flood assist. So, my role was to go and be a, what's called a staff officer, an S6, six being a signals person. And I sat in the headquarters of the joint task unit in support of coordinating all of the communications between the different elements that were out there providing support. So, if you think about it, there's council, there's uh, water, uh, energy, and electricity organizations there's the Army and there's the SES. they all have different means for communicating and we needed to bridge those so that we could communicate effectively and work together effectively in support of all the different activities that were being carried out in Lismore and around the whole broader um, district. So all the way from Lismore to Nimbin to um, you know even Byron Bay, we had people there as well.
0: Is this the first time you've been deployed in in that sort of operation, civilian operation?
2: It was the first time I've been deployed. Uh, previously, I'd done a number of training and simulation-like activities, but this was the first official deployment that I partook in, uh, and it was um, a steep learning curve. Uh, I think uh, there's so much more to all of these activities than people uh, either you know learn about or, or get Knowledge of unless they're on the ground. You know, I think a good example is even my family said, you know, why don't we send more troops? And it's like, well, if we send a thousand people, we have to sleep them, we have to feed them, we have to provide toilets, and we don't want to take away resources and capability from the people that are already there. Uh, So there's a lot of balancing that needs to be conducted between providing assistance and then also in the attempt to provide assistance, cause more hassle than it's worth. So that balance needs to be worked out and evaluated and developed slowly and carefully so that, you know, you don't make things worse. You want to repair broken roads. You need heavy equipment, uh, but you can't take that heavy equipment straight away because often the roads are damp, wet, and muddy, and you're just going to make it worse by trying to take those vehicles there. So you have to wait a certain period of time. So all of that coordination and activity needs to be managed effectively so you're not making things worse.
1: I think one of the things we all experienced watching those floods is that we felt helpless and obviously there were places to donate. I know that we were doing stuff in Lane Cove and things like food and blankets and all that kind of stuff was necessary. But there was still a feeling of helplessness. What was it like to be on the ground there? Because you actually, you know, you could say, oh, actually, I'm actually can really do something
2: in this situation. Yeah, look, it's still, it it was quite overwhelming on arrival. The rubbish was still in the streets. There were still cars um, upside down in the street. Uh, I drove past hundreds of metres of shops. And, you know, as someone from Lane Cove, if you think about, you know, the plaza, that whole central area of lismore was underwater so every shop was boarded up and closed all the electricity all the plumbing all the you know power points everything was ruined and destroyed and even if it wasn't if it was high enough that it was on a third floor and it was the carpets or the rugs it still stank and it still had you know the mold already growing and and just so many horrible things that it was quite it was quite impactful you know being there uh, and it's you know you you, you got to eat that elephant one bite at a time and and start doing one thing after another um, but it was difficult uh, and you also felt the responsibility and and you know I think as an as a military member you bear the weight of you know community perceptions and other activities that are ongoing um, so that was challenging as well but it's great to go there and to do something. And we saw lots of trucks pull up with donations. You know, we had some of our troops handing out that gear. Uh, I went to an area near Nimbin where there was a corner store effectively in the middle of kind of three roads that came together and it was closed, but out the front were pallets of tin cans, pallets of toilet paper, uh, water bottles, and, and community members from around that area could simply come and collect what they needed. Uh, And there was a notice board in that location uh, where people could write and leave messages for each other. So it was a really good way to see the community coming together and being supported by people who had contributed donations and other elements. And that was, you know, a really powerful reminder of the contribution that others had made to that community. And you hope that it would be, you know, you know that it would be reciprocated if it came to any other community.
0: How long were you there for?
2: I was there for seven days. Uh, So one of the nice things about being a reservist is that you can commit sometimes to, uh, you know, as little as a week uh, and as much as your, you know, I guess your work will permit. Uh, So given that I've already done some other training and other activities, that was really the extent of my capability at that time. Um, My work was, um, You know able to say yes or take a week and they would cover it as a defense force leave so we have a leave policy at my corporation and uh, that provides me with the support so that i can conduct those activities and that week was actually a good week to be there in my mind it was kind of the wrap up of the reserve time and the handover and transition to the full-time army that was arriving on site So much of the early days was supported through reservist activity uh, and then slowly the full-time army were bringing the right forces to bear to support the ongoing reconstruction efforts.
0: And how do others get involved in the army reserve? Are they active, you see the ads, they're actively recruiting. Is it something that people still want to be involved in?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the reserves is great and and. Is getting a better understanding of how to operate within a a kind of the world that we're at now there's certainly opportunities for some remote activities uh, but you know being an army it's it's often about connecting Uh, and so you simply speak with a defense force recruiting uh, agent and they step you through that process and there's many different roles to uh, support you can be a logistics officer or a logistics team member help coordinate the shipping and moving of equipment around the country particularly for disaster recovery activities Uh, and and anything you need to learn the army will train you yeah so you don't need to be an engineer to join an engineering unit you don't need to be a cybersecurity specialist to to join a communications or a signals unit the army will teach you those things uh, you need to be, you know, fit and healthy and, and willing to contribute and learn. And when when you have those things, uh, they'll work with you to improve all of the elements of your capability, including your fitness and health, as well as the things you need to know to support what the Army, you know, is working to support. And that's just Army. There's also Navy and Air Force, of course. Uh, Navy is a little bit harder as a res- to be a reservist because they go away on a ship for a long time. So it's a little bit trickier. Uh, but there are different roles that involve, you know, being on a on a Navy base, for example, that don't involve being on a ship. Uh, so there's certainly different roles that are available for anyone who's got any interest uh, in joining the Australian Defence Force in support of, you know, the security of our nation. So,
1: Colia, where were you, uh, how were you sort of housed when you
2: are up there? So, Lismore has an Army base. Uh, And all of the defence personnel that I was with uh, basically slept in the army base. So there were three of us in a small office in one section. Uh, There were also people sleeping in, uh, you know, conference rooms. Uh, We tried to maintain a small footprint, if you will, in the facility. As more people came, Southern Cross University Gym was a facility that people were housed in. Uh, So lots of cots. Uh, you know being in the defense force you you don't get hotel rooms uh, and and other things Uh, but really it's about um, having a a small light footprint so people were uh, jam-packed and we're kind of familiar with that in the army uh, and then providing support through that organ through that area so the kitchen was uh, a big tent uh, where the food was produced and they tried to uh use local produce local bread uh, you know trying to reinvest through the community to support them in that way as well so we're going to feed all those people we get the food from the local community and that reinvests income and jobs back straight away into the community as well so we yeah so being on site um means that there's a whole lot of people we have like i said before people who are involved in logistics uh organizing, you know, people arriving, coordinating uh, accommodation and and food and, you know, port a and all those kinds of things in support of making sure that we don't impact the local environment more than we need to.
1: I mean, it sounds absolutely awesome. Was it as awesome as your uh, first night back in Lane Cove in
2: your own bed? (laughs) Uh, look, they they each have different benefits. Um, I love sleeping in my own bed at Lane Cove. That's always a, a nice thing. Uh, you get the comfort of home and that involves the people as well. Uh, but there's certainly in the Army a camaraderie and, you know, a sense of accomplishment in supporting uh, the a local community that's in, that's in need. And I think that's something that speaks to a lot of people, uh, whether they're, you know, soccer coaches helping local kids at... You know community sporting events or if it's someone that has more time and capability that can contribute to you know the australian defense force so really it's about you know feeling good about giving and then some of those things matter less you know it's okay if you're sleeping on a on a on a cot it's about what you're doing what happens in the cove stays in the cove
1: i've got to say jackie what colia went through going and helping out is both inspiring, but also very grounding. Like, you know, we're in, we're in this world, there's lots of stuff going on, natural disasters. I think it was an amazing thing that he helped out, but it does make you, you know, think about your own environment as well.
0: Mm. It, look, he's always been someone who's been very community minded. He was the president of the Cove Public School, and um, he just has taken his community involvement to a, to a next level and good on him. Um, But I think that's all we've got time for, Rob.
1: Remember to rate and review us on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Let your friends know that haven't listened to the podcast and have a good week and remember to cast your votes in a couple of
0: weeks. Vote early and vote often. Well, not really, but you know what I mean.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Jack. See you later. Bye. This podcast has been produced by localpodcast.com.au. If your organisation needs a podcast, contact Rob 0404